Chapter 14 Saturday, June 22nd, 1776 Life very uncertain, seeming dangers scattered thick around us, plots against the military, and it is whispered against the Senate. Against the Senate. Let us prepare for the worst. We can die here but once. May all our business, all our purposes and pursuits tend to fit us for that important event. That is a letter of Congressional Delegate Abraham Clark to Elias Dayton. The next day I carried a basket of eels from the fish market to Wall Street, thinking only of hot eel pie for supper. I had not eaten eel pie since Mama died. Miss Mary Finch had not been very fond of it, but Master Lockton enjoyed the dish, so fat eels weighed down my basket. I fervently hoped Becky would chop all the heads and strip off the skins. It made me go all jumbly in the belly to chop off heads. I entered the kitchen and set the basket on the table. Ruth hummed quietly to herself, shelling peas in a large wooden bowl, and Becky chopped kale. Madam walked in from the front hall, her hair half fallen out of her cap and stains of sweat under the arms of her dress. She crossed the room, peered out the back door, and crossed her arms over her chest, and tapped her foot with impatience, then disappeared into the next room. "'I require you, girl,' she said. Becky looked at me, eyes wide and warning. Ma'am? I asked. Madam came back into the kitchen carrying a silver tray. She shoved it into my arms. You will serve your master and his companions. Becky slowly shook her head back and forth. Are you sure, madam, that's what the master requested? She asked slowly. Tis hard to interpret the ways of menfolk than being so complex and all, but surely when he said, let nothing disturb us, that was indeed his true meaning. Be quiet, Becky, Madam snapped. You have the manners of a donkey and the voice of a goose. Becky said nothing more but chopped faster. Madam passed paced back and forth. The mayor of New York is a supremely important man, could well be the next royal governor. It is hardly appropriate to welcome him into our home without offering refreshment. She turned to me. You will not put one foot wrong. When the tray was loaded so heavily I could scarcely lift it, Madame preceded me down the hall and waited by the closed door to the library. Go on, she told me, without offering to help. I kicked at the door with my shoe and called out, Wine, sir, and a bite to eat. Leave us, responded Lockton. Madame knocked on the door with a not terribly refined fist. Come now, Elihu, show some graciousness. Deep voices in the room conferred. Then the door was unlocked and open. Madame stepped toward the opening, but locked and filled the frame. Thank you, dear, he said. The girl can serve us. I'll send her to you if I'm in need of anything more. Madame tried to look behind him to the distinguished guest, but could not see through the thick form of her husband. Very well, she said loudly. I shall be composing a letter to our cousins in London, our cousins who are so well regarded by His Majesty. Excellent suggestion, dear. He stepped out of the way so that I might enter. There were only two men besides Master Lockton, gold buttons, wearing a shabby waistcoat of black wool, and the third man, who I took to be the mayor. The mayor had on a fine wig, properly powdered and pulled back with a curl at the end of his queue, a sable coat and matching breeches, a maroon waistcoat, and a white silk cravat tied loosely around his neck atop his shirt. The windows were all closed, but sun streamed in, heating up the room to a slow simmer and bringing forth the ripe stink of underwashed gentlemen. A bright, a broad, brightly colored map of the coastline was spread on the master's desk, weighted at each end by a heavy book. 
Locked and remo removed one of the books, and the map curled up on itself, clearing the desk for the plate of Gla Gloucester cheese and rye bread and the bowl of strawberries I set there. My most sincere apologies for the interruption, interruption Lockton said. He took a glass of wine from me. Pray, sir, continue. Gold Buttons took a hasty bite of cheese before speaking. It has proved more difficult to bribe the patriots to change sides than we anticipated. Those who are fed up with the situation prefer to melt out of the city and walk home to Massachusetts or North Carolina. I removed the serving tray and retreated to my corner. The horses in the painting still leapt the fence. I fought the temptation to reach for the adventures of Mr. Caruso on the shelf. Instead, I centered my eyes on my feet and my thoughts upon a slice of eel pie. They turned down the offer of hundreds of acres, Lockton said. The land offered by the king is distant from their farms, gold buttons buttered a piece of bread. My fellow reports they simply want peace and the chance to get in a good crop of wheat. Idiots, said Lockton. The news from Philadelphia is that Congress is close to declaring independence. Gold Buttons continued. I fought the urge to yawn. The master and his friends could complain about the Continental Congress at such length I feared my ears might drop off. Lockton plucked a strawberry from the bowl and pulled the, pulled the leaves from it. And Admiral Howe continues to delay the invasion. It's maddening. The crown must smash this rebellion into dust so we can return to our former lives with a sense of order. And higher profits, Gold Buttons added. If Madame only knew how dull these gatherings were, she would not have been so anxious to barge her way in. I would have happily chopped off the heads of a barrel full of eels to escape another afternoon trapped with men whose voices droned on and on like rumbling dusty grindstones. The mayor set his goblet on the desk. The time for bribery and persuasion is past. This is the hour when we must unsheathe our swords. Swords? Lockton shook his head. We've been over this, David. Our task is to hold the city loyal, nothing more. The mayor leaned back in his chair. Holding is not enough. They're coming after us, raiding our homes for lead and our stores for anything they desire. Gold Buttons wiped the cheese from his fingers with a handkerchief. I agree with you, Elihu, and a loyal New York cuts off New England from the other colonies. The rebellion will wither like a vine cut off at the roots. Cut off a vine and it will grow back, the mayor said. You must pull it out of the ground and burn it to ensure it is dead. Lockton put the strawberry leaves in the bowl. Is there a plan afoot to destroy them? Most definitely. The mayor's voice was quiet but steely. This was not idle prattle about Congress. I stood still as possible. The mayor scratched at the mustard stain on his cuff. General Howe delayed the invasion, hoping the revolutionary fervor would die down. On the contrary, independent sentiment now burns as far away as Georgia, as well as the western frontier. I am a bookcase, I thought. I am a piece of furniture, not a girl who will remember every word spoken in this room. The cry for liberty has proved powerful, Lockton said. The beast has grown too large, the mayor said. If it breaks free of its chains, we are all in danger. We need to cut off its head. Gold, button, gold Buttons frowned. How so? We must kill their commander. Lockton drew in his breath sharply. With Washington gone, the revolution will collapse, predicted the mayor. War will be averted and countless lives saved. Our world will return to the former state of tranquility we enjoyed before all this nonsense. The study fell so, so silent I feared the men would hear my heart beating. Kill George, General Washington? 
No, Lockton said, shaking in his head. Not possible. He is a gentleman. Capture him. Arrest him, yes, but we dare not harm him. The mayor ticked off the reasons on his fingers. All of the American leaders have committed treason against the king. You cannot deny that. Treason is the highest offense under English law, worse than murder. And what is the punishment for treason, my friends? Neither Lockton nor Goldbuttons Gold answered. To be hung by the neck until dead, then have your body chopped into four pieces, which are sent to the four corners of the kingdom. The mayor continued. Others propose we send sections of Washington's corpse to Charleston, Philadelphia, and Boston. They want to keep the fourth bit here to be displayed in front of City Hall. The room fell silent again. I could hear the ticking of the hall clock through the wall. Lockton shook his head again. You cannot guarantee Parliament would rule treason. It's too dangerous. If we dispose of Washington, Parliament will do whatever we ask. But how can you accomplish this? asked Gold Buttons. The man is surrounded by an entire army. We have a man in the lifeguards committed to our plan. He spends his day within two arms length of the general. On our signal, he will act. And this is why you need the money, Lockton said. There was the sound of a lid being removed and the jangling of keys. Lockton took a key ring out of the blue china snuff jar on the corner of the desk. He unlocked the top drawer and removed a tall stack of currency, enough to buy a village or two. I let my eyelids droop as if I were a-dozing. The risks are too high, Goldbutton Gold said in a shaky voice. If we are discovered, we are dead men. Think not upon the risks, but the rewards, suggested the mayor. I peeked. Lockton tugged at his collar to loosen it. Suspicion will fall on my neck first, David. I require assurance that my role will not be betrayed. You have my word on it, the mayor said. Your promise is not enough, sir. Lockton pushed a sheet of paper, a quill, and the inkstand across the desk to the mayor. Write down the names of those who know of this plot. Why? Goldbuttons asked. The paper will serve as my insurance should I fall into rebel hands again. It will motivate you and our friends to do everything possible to secure my release. How? Goldbuttons was still frowning, but the mayor reached for the quill. If we do not come to his aid, he will betray our names to the enemy, the mayor said softly. He is showing us his weakness. Planning ahead is my strength, Lockton said. Do not forget your own name, sir. I closed my eyes again. The quill scratched across the paper. Gold buttons shifted nervously in his chair. There, the mayor said. I opened my eyes the tiniest bit. Gold buttons quickly read the paper. A vast conspiracy indeed. He handed it to Lockton, who read the names and smiled. We are keeping good company. He handed the money to the mayor and lifted his empty glass. I believe this calls for a toast, gentlemen. I did not step forward with the wine bottle. Lockton needed to believe I was a sleepy servant, unaware of, this, of his plans. Sal, he snapped. I drew back my head and acted befuddled. Wine, Lockton said. I crossed the room and emptied the last of the wine into his glass. Lockton frowned. Fetch another bottle, he said. Yes, sir. I curtsied and left the room, pondering how I could pass this news along to Curzon. That was when the blood-curdling screams started in the kitchen. I dropped the bottle and ran.